Welcome to Menu Stories. I'm your host, Rebecca Goberstein, and today's guest is Chef Gonzalo Guzman from Nopolito, one of San Francisco's most beloved Mexican restaurants. We met on the beautiful garden patio at Nopolito on 9th, the newer of the two Nopolito locations. The day was sunny, the kitchen was preparing for lunch, and the birds were kind enough to provide some background music. Raised in what he calls a box of a house in Veracruz, Mexico, Chef Gonzalo prepared his first meal, a pot of beans, at the age of six. As you listen to Chef Gonzalo share his story, it'll be impossible to ignore his work ethic, his humility, and his total dedication to excellent food that reflects the Mexico that Chef Gonzalo is proud to hail from. Gonzalo was only a teenager when he made the difficult move away from his family to work in the United States. And work he did. He constantly held multiple jobs at one time, starting out as a dishwasher at age 15. Because of the pride he takes in everything he does, even washing dishes, Chef Gonzalo kept moving up the ranks of the kitchen, eventually impressing Chef Lawrence Jossel, owner of Nopa, a classic San Francisco restaurant in the Panhandle. If you're thinking Nopa and Nopolito sound related, that's because they are. You'll find out why in this interview. And now, meet Chef Gonzalo Guzman. What was the first time that you remember cooking something and and where was it? Well, that will take me back to when I was probably six, seven years old. Wow, that's pretty young. Yeah, it is. Um, I was the only boy in a uh, in my family, and I have two little sisters. Um, one of them, it's been always sick, so I had to, I kind of like take care of them while my um, mom will work in the fields and my dad will work um, uh, outside the city. <laughs> uh, so I think one thing that I do remember and I kind of like will never forget it, it's um, boiling beans because that's the first thing I can remember I, I did. Uh, some fresh beans that my mom got from the field, and um, you know, she's just she told me do something with it. So, build a fire and put them in a pot, boil them. No salt, of course, because I didn't know <laughs> he needed it. Or, uh, but yeah, that was the first thing I remember doing or cooking. You just figured out how to. Had you seen her boil it, or what? What made you even realize to start a fire and get water and start boiling these beans? <laughs> how did you even know what to do with them? Uh, well, I grew I grew up uh, by sleeping in this. Well, my house was more like a box uh, where you know, there was not really a room, there was not really a living room or a kitchen. It was all in one piece. Uh, and again, since I was the only boy, my mom would wake me up to um, go to this place called Molineria, which is a place in the uh, center of the town where there is a molino, which is a corn grinder. Uh, so I will, she will wake me up really early to go to the molineria to grind my uh, nixtamal, which is the corn to make tortillas, um, and uh, come back and I will spend that morning with her cooking or washing at the least until I could move my hands and until I could actually do something with them. So I grew up just watching her how like how to make tortillas, how to boil beans or scramble eggs, or little things like that. So I. I'm really good. I think I, I'm a visual learner. <laughs> so a lot of the times, you know, that, like that was, that's why I had the idea of how, like, how to do the beans because I've seen her doing it every morning. <laughs> Where did all this take place? It was in Mexico. Yeah, um, 
I didn't move to the States until I was 15. I was born in Veracruz, south of Mexico City, in a really small town. So I was like 12, then I moved uh, to Puebla, north of Veracruz, south of Mexico City, a couple hours south. And that's where I spent two years of my life. And then I went back to Veracruz for a few months, and then I made my way to this United States. So the first time that you remember making the beans, do you remember how it felt? Or did you love it, or did you, or is it just more out of necessity? I felt kind of excited. Uh, just because being the only man in the house because I didn't spend that much time with my dad. I felt like I had to take care of my family even being that little. Uh, So anything that I could do to help that will make me feel really proud and really great about myself. It seems like that's what being a chef almost is. It would make sense that that's sort of um, part of the joy that you get out of being a chef. Do you see any similarities between how you felt when you were six years old and boiling your first pot of beans to how you feel now? To be honest, when I was that young, I didn't think about becoming a chef or like being doing this for my life. I just wanted to help my mom and do something, but I wasn't really thinking about doing something uh, or being someone. What got you into doing cooking as a, as a job? When I first came here, I started working as a dishwasher for a couple months. As any other immigrant, that's what we first do if you uh, go into the restaurant business. And then the first couple of years were more like doing my best as anything. Like if I had to wash the dishes, I would try to be the best um, if they had me do like to peel potatoes or anything related to the cooking I would just do my best and uh, Chef Lawrence which is a chef owner from Nopa uh, he saw potential on me <laughs> he just kind of like started teaching me kind of guiding me what cooking was and then little by little I just decided if I was going to be doing this for the rest of my life I might as well just get more serious about it and learn more about cooking and all that so it took a couple, two or three years until I realized that this is what I wanted to do and this is something that you realized while you were uh, a line cook at NOPA? well this happens when I was a line cook um, actually I was a prep cook um, over at Kokari restaurant so this was about 16, 14 years ago so right after I came from Mexico probably like when I was 16. But he was the first chef you worked for. The first chef that I can remember the name and <laughs> everything, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, and the chef pretty much that inspired me and helped me and guided me until now. I think a lot of us wish that we had mentors like that. Yeah. So he took you with him to Nopa? Eventually. Uh, we went on different paths of our lives. Uh, once when he left Kokari Restaurant, I stayed there for a few years. Uh, but I've always been working two jobs. Uh, so at the same time, I, wor- I was working at other places. Uh, and then he opened Shenu. Then uh, nine years ago, about, he just called me and said he was opening a restaurant of his own. Um, so I just ended up coming and work for him. For him and uh, But at the same time, working somewhere else. So again, I've always been <laughs> just to learn more experience and to be better at it. Can you tell a little bit more about how um, Nopalito is related to Nopa? Because you've hinted at it a little bit that you learned from Chef Lawrence, who opened Nopa. So can you share a little bit more about how that started and the well, origin of Nopalito? It all started as I was playing around, you know, as other things started. I was working with him first just as a sous chef. I didn't want to... I was actually kind of like just a cook. I didn't want to be a sous chef because being a sous chef required more hours and full-time and I couldn't really work full-time because I was working somewhere else um, and then we often will joke around like 
Lawrence will joke around about opening a Mexican restaurant. He said, would you like to open it? I said, I would love to. That's the whole idea. I, mean, I go out there, look for Mexican food, and I can't find something that really reminds me to my childhood or to what I grew up with. And I would love to do something like that if possible. And then he's like, okay, and then we, just, we should just open a Nopalito. <laughs> Uh, and uh, it was more like a joke, but I'm like, oh, that sounds like a good name. I mean, it connects Nopa with the name, and it also it's you know it's a it's a vegetable, a cactus, a little cactus from that's what it translates to. So it means it's connected to the Mexican food, and it's connected to you guys. Where uh, you know, if I do something, it will be with you. And then uh, eventually, we got offered this space, and that's kind of like every, how everything started. By that time, there was another guy. Uh, called Jose Ramos, which was my co-chef for the first uh, few years of Nopalito. He also wanted to open a Mexican restaurant. So before the restaurant got open, we would like play uh, around with staff meals. We would do like all sort of Mexican dishes, kind of like to practice. Uh, and then when they, uh, when we got the spot, we just jump in and do it. <laughs> what made you open this second location and when did you realize you needed to do that? Um, I'm always up for new things. I'm always up for like what's next, what's coming. Uh, this is not enough. Let's do something else. Uh, and it's not even about money. It's more like it's like the adrenaline of like that I feel in my body <laughs> uh, for new things. So after a couple of years, usually I wouldn't last that long in a restaurant. Like I will need something else. Uh, so after a couple of years of like, okay, we got this down. Not really, but you know, pretending that we kind of did. Like <laughs> we need a place where we can do more where we can you know have a kitchen where we can grind our corn and uh well we have i mean we were ready doing it grinding our corn but yes it was always pretty tight i think eventually it happened just because i felt like I, I wanted to do the next thing and i wanted to do more and feed more people and you know have more people try our food yeah what have been some of the biggest challenges when you took on the role as as chef or co-chef um, compared to when you were line cook? Well, you know, when you're a cook, you rely on the sous chef. When you're a sous chef, you rely on the chef. Uh, so the chef is kind of like the last person that you go to. Uh, and those are the big challenges because I really don't have any other person to go to when something is going wrong. Uh, so definitely that's the biggest challenge because there is always kind of like new things that I didn't deal when I was a sous chef or when I was a line cook and when I was a prep cook. Um, now it's just me, so I have to find the answers for all those questions that my sous chef or my language will come out with. Uh, one of the biggest that, that's one of the biggest challenges. The other one is to find people that like what I do and to find sous chefs that are into Mexican food as much as I am uh, and love what they do because it's a tough business, as you know, the hours and everything is uh, is not easy. So that's the those two I would say are the biggest challenges to run two restaurants <laughs> yeah I can I can imagine building your team and building a great team and knowing how to answer tough questions without really anybody else to turn to yeah but it sounds like you have some pretty great mentors what happens when you do have a really tough question that you need to answer how how do you deal with that well I'll figure it out myself <laughs> uh that's the bottom line that's how it is uh, every now and then probably I will go to someone that has been through those the same situation uh, and just ask what they did and from that try to find an answer and every now and then I rely on Chef Lawrence because of course he has way more experience than I do so um, that's probably the first person that I will go to if it is something related with cooking or managing and but yeah just figure out myself with and the people around me that I can trust 
What's the most rewarding thing about being chef? What's changed since that six-year-old boy boiled beans for the first time on a fire in the box of a house that you described? How do you feel when you think about that? Well, I feel like now I can put salt and I know how much salt <laughs> the beans will need. Uh, I feel like I kind of, you know, I mean, I kind of know what I'm doing in, in some terms. Uh, and the most uh, exciting thing about to be still doing this is yes, the people that come and eat and really enjoy and have a good time and and just yes, to hear that uh, from people, from guests that can cure like a really bad day. <laughs> That's the most rewarding thing. Yeah. It doesn't sound even that dissimilar from how you described you felt when you were a young boy. There's sort of a similarity to feeling like you're taking care of people. We're always taking care of, taking care of not just the guests that come in, but you know the people that work for us and just to create this nice environment where people want to be. Um, and that's helped us to be where we are, I think. It's not just one person. Usually, you know, people refer to, oh, the chef, the chef. But it's honestly everyone, you know. Yeah, the chef is probably the people, or you know, the person that is keeping everyone together. But it's the people that are in that circle that really keep it together. So Nopolito is famous for its carnitas dish. How did that dish come about? Well, I think there's stories behind every single dish and everything that we do here. At first, we wanted to do something where people could order, like they do in Mexico. There's places where you go uh, and people buy by the pound, by the kilo, uh, and then you get your carnitas, you get your tortillas and salsas, and you go and sit in a park and enjoy them. Uh, and that was the idea at the beginning. But then the problem was to come up with a really good carnitas recipe. Um, that wouldn't be too dry, and that would be perfect. <laughs> uh, so we did play around so many times with like four or five different recipes until we got it down. But we just, I mean, at the beginning, we just wanted to come up with the best carnitas, and we wanted, because that was the idea that we had, like, to sell carnitas by the pound uh, at the restaurant. And, of course, after we opened the restaurant, a lot of the ideas that we had changed, and that was one of them. We didn't end up doing it by the pound. It just became one of the dishes and uh, on, our, on our menu. How did you perfect the recipe? Um, well, my background is more like European food. I did a lot of Greek um, food, cocarias, you know, uh, Boulevard, uh, Jardinier, Petit Robert, um, Chenu, and a few other places that I worked. It's, uh, it's about uh, techniques. And a lot of that influence in the uh, cooking that we do here. Uh, we, are, we are very traditional and uh, as much as we can. So just by using that technique, it kind of helped a lot more. So the technique and the uh, ingredients that we use, I think that's what made this restaurant what it is now. Was that the first dish that you guys came up with for the menu on Nopolito? I mean, that's definitely one of the dishes, one of the first dishes. The other one was like the mole poblano and a few other. But yeah, that was one of the first dishes that we kind of like worked hard to get it right. <laughs> what were some of the first dishes that you guys came up with for the Nopolito menu and what inspired those decisions? Well, I'm from uh, Veracruz South. The other co was from the north. Um, so we wanted to do a little bit of everything just because we, we didn't want to focus on one specific state. Uh, so and again, Mole Poblano is from Puebla. That was the inspiration, like to find dishes that uh, will represent a state or represent something in Mexico and that we didn't have to change the name. So again, we kind of didn't invent anything. We just refined the uh, way of cooking them and, uh, and coming up with a recipe. So we were very consistent. 
but I mean mole poblano panucho that was one another dish that uh, same idea with the mole with the carnita it represents uh, uh, a region it represents uh, uh, something what's your favorite dish on the menu to prepare everyone asked me the same question <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> and no and to be honest I don't have an, like a specific answer because all the menu uh, I like like let's say 90% probably there's 10% of like that I don't like but the guests love them I'm like okay let's keep it uh, but most of the menu I don't really have a favorite I just uh, I mean carnitas became one of our favorites and yeah that's one of my favorites to cook too but you know after you do it every day you enjoy cooking no matter what it is uh, if I mean I know we're talking about dishes but I don't have a specific dish but I do have a, sp- a specific ingredient that I just kind of liked a lot which is masa uh, and the whole process and just what you can do with it and, uh, and the way it's done and for how long people are been using it and doing it that really uh, I think it's pretty exciting for me can you share a little bit about what masa is well masa is uh, there's a, co- a process called nixtamalization which is uh, dry corn that get, gets uh, cooked in water and lime and then it just sits overnight and then uh, the next day you wash that corn and then you grind it what becomes is masa so it's a dough it's a corn dough and from that you know when you grind your corn you get your masa and from masa uh, you do your tortillas which I think everyone knows what it, how they are <laughs> but of course well, here we do we use that for tamales for everything I think uh, like 95% of our menu has some sort of like masa or corn in it that's pretty fascinating <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what I like <laughs> I'm trying to think back to the carnitas dish and I'm trying to remember what the masa could have been there is that just the tortillas on the side yeah I mean as I said before tortillas for us are like the bread for the French people you just cannot eat without them uh, mm-hmm. I mean I home I, I make my own tortillas when I'm there <laughs> uh I mean, carnitas, you cannot really eat it without, it has to come with tortillas. I mean, the perfect taco, you have to have a perfect tortilla. (laughs) San Francisco has a very recognizable restaurant community. How important do you think the restaurant community is to the the city? Um, We try to do uh, or help our community as much as we can with different ways. Uh, I mean, one simple way is supporting the uh, local farmers and you know, that, uh, and that's what we've been doing since we opened that was the idea to use just local farmers as much as we can because again for the quantity of the product that we use sometimes we cannot but as much as we can we, we support uh, that we also work with La Cocina which helps uh, small business uh, and we often donate stuff for schools or as much as we can we spoke with the Golden Gate Restaurant Association and they shared that restaurants in San Francisco especially play a pretty huge role in the philanthropy of the local community. You guys are also connected to Nopalize. Can you share a little bit about how you guys interact with them? Yeah, I mean, Nopalize started at Nopa. Just to kind of educate people more about the food. Now it's not just Nopalito and Nopa. Now that includes other farmers and other locals. Just a way to uh, promote or show what they, how they do things and that's kind of like how it began and now how it's still growing they do something what is called complete circle they bring uh, someone that works with a specific farm using their product and come out with like a menu and then they have the farm and explain the product that they use how it, how they grow and uh, and then 
they do videos like that that they post it and just to educate people more about food and all those areas what do you guys hope to get out of educating people about the kind of partners in the community between Nopa Nopolito and where you source the produce it's for the people to uh, to get the idea of like supporting how important it is to support the environment and how important it is to use uh, the right ingredients and the right and how and what the right way of growing that ingredient is just like with Mexican food, we kind of have to educate people that it's not just burritos and tacos. Uh, so we have to go out there and we have to like explain to people when we first opened the restaurant what we were about and how the process was. Uh, and eventually that the word got spread and, you know. Uh, you mentioned Mexican food is, is not just burritos and tacos. In fact, I don't think burritos are even a food in Mexico, right? It's not even well, a real dish. There, there, there is a dish called burrito in south of Mexico by, by the border. Uh, I would say it's not a very traditional, uh, and it's not the way it gets represented in California uh, or here in the United States. You mentioned when you opened Nopolito, and part of why you wanted to open Nopolito was to have a restaurant in San Francisco that was an accurate representation of the food that you grew up with in Mexico. Yeah. What what did you think was missing in in the community, and what do you what do you think that you guys bring with Nopolito? I think everything was missing. <laughs> I mean, the right ingredients. Uh, this was like seven years ago. There was I mean, there was no. I mean, there were Mexican restaurants, uh, but they were all, in my opinion, they were good in a way, but they could be better, and they were not really representing the way I wanted to re- be represented uh, again I grew up until in Mexico until I was 14 so I saw a lot of a lot of things that I saw when I grew up I didn't see them here like again, what? like tortillas like there is this uh, dish um, called picadita which is pretty similar to sope uh, it's a thick uh, tortilla base and then uh, there's layers of things on top like meats and salsa cabbage crema but everywhere I went and I tried that, that's because that's pretty similar to the picadita, again, sope. And it, it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't taste right. It didn't taste like pure corn. It didn't taste like the one my mom used to do for me or something even similar. Uh, so definitely thought that that part was missing and that's kind of like the heart of Mexican food. Uh, corn, tortillas. Um, that was like that. That was one of the things that were missing, and to me, it's one of the most important things that Mexican restaurants should have. You do talk a lot about about corn and even masa and the importance of the tortilla. So it's pretty fascinating to realize that that's sort of the impetus for why you opened Nopolito, and that's sort of the cornerstone behind everything that is on the menu at Nopolito. Because for a pretty average diner like myself. I look at the the meat and I look at the the dishes as a whole, and it's so fascinating to think that the thing that you care most about is the grain that is in the tortilla <laughs> that we think of as the side. But you're pointing out that that's actually one of the most important parts of the menu and what you were bringing to San Francisco, because uh, if the bread on the side, I guess, is <laughs> is not good, then that sort of undermines the whole dish. It sounds like. Yeah, I have to say, like, it's just everywhere. I mean, even a soup, pozole, it's corn-based. I know what I do without corn, <laughs> without tortillas, yeah. yeah. How do you think now, it's, you know, it's been seven years since um, 
And since you had that sort of realization that Mexican cuisine wasn't really well reflected in San Francisco, how do you feel about the Mexican cuisine in San Francisco today? And how do you think Nopolito fits into into that scene? Well, I feel like now it's a little different because there is uh, after we open uh, uh, like a year, a couple of years after, I think a lot of new people or a lot of people saw Mexican food a little differently, and then uh, they kind of they wanted to do that. They wanted kind of to just explore it a little bit. Uh, so a lot of new Mexican restaurants started opening, um, but I think uh, Nopolito was uh, the inspiration for a lot of those uh, places. So now I feel like there is more choices, and again, the benef- the benefit of this is that people can enjoy a lot more or they can see a lot more. I still feel like a lot of restaurants are just opening a Mexican restaurant because they see it as a business, as a just a potential business. I still feel like they're not doing it because they want to really represent and they want to bring something to the community or to the uh, to the restaurants. But definitely getting closer and definitely people are understanding more what a Mexican, Mexican restaurant is and, uh, and what yeah, what is uh, what it's all about? Yeah, I think it's fair to say that a lot of people assume Mexican food is just burritos, and to your point, that's just a really small part of Mexico that's not really a traditional dish. So, um, are your parents still in Mexico? Yeah, they're all. Uh, probably have seen it once since like about seventeen years, sixteen, seventeen years. Wow. Yeah, all my family is there. I mean, I have a few cousins here, but my two sisters and mom and dad, they're all there. That must be pretty hard. Uh, it's life. <laughs> and it's life for a lot of immigrants. Uh, that's well, you know. Yeah, it's just complicated. and But yeah, uh, that's, those are the sacrifices that sometimes you have to do to do something. <laughs> what do they think about what you've been able to accomplish? Uh, I don't tell them very much about myself. I just tell them that I just tell them that I work in a restaurant. I'm the chef, and that's all. And they don't. Where, where I live is a small town. It's probably 600 people there. And even though there is like internet everywhere now in the world, and they're not so much about uh, going and grabbing, a, taking, a, using a computer and searching or doing stuff like that. So they just uh, they they just know that I'm a chef of a restaurant, and that's you know that's all they know. And everything else we just talk about how the family is doing but <laughs> we never really go into details of like oh we did this and now we, we're that like yeah I think that speaks to your humility and um, <sighs> I'm sure that they're pretty proud of what you've been able to do I mean I hope so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure um, if there was something you wish you could tell your younger self maybe the one who had just moved to San Francisco from Mexico at 14, 15? 15, huh? What would you say to that, Gonzalo? Oh, uh, go to school. Really? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Because when I first came, uh, I liked the school a lot, but I just couldn't go because money was always an issue. Uh, and when I came here, I had to pay back a lot of money, too, so I couldn't really go to school. Uh, that's what I will tell myself, yes, go to school, especially coming to somewhere where you don't speak the language at all. Uh, and it's very important to like be someone or do more things if you want to stay in the, in, 
here. Uh, so definitely it will be that, like, go to school, learn the language, and then uh, it was uh, more about the language that I'm still learning. <laughs> uh, and But that's just how I managed to do it, by working two jobs and, uh, and living here. Like, I had to find time to go to school and do both at the same time, which is really hard when you work already 14 hours, 15, 16 hours a day. Uh, and then you know add a school to that and whatever other things you have to add to your to your life so uh, but I think if I didn't have to work right away I will I, w- I would have rather like go to high school finish it and, and that will have save me a lot of uh, time for you know as you grow it's not as easy to learn new things yeah are there organizations that are trying to help with that problem with um, people who maybe have English as a second language and um, aren't wealthy enough to be able to even attend school i mean city college definitely that's where i went to school that's where i <laughs> i mean that's where i yeah that's where i went to school to learn uh non-credit classes esl but i think it's not even about having the money at the beginning because you don't pay for those non-credit classes at city college it's more more about finding the time and and having that mentality of be better and do something uh and get better at, for the future which again, a lot of us just come here and we just want to work and probably go back to our countries. And a lot of, of us come with that mentality. So I, I think it's just more like an individual thought that someone needs to, I don't know how to explain, like have a plan. <laughs> um, hopefully, you know, people that come here will think that, oh, I want to go and work, but I also want to go to school because whatever I learn, I can use it if, even, even if I go back to Mexico, which they don't do because uh, they always think they're just gonna gonna go back and never gonna need to speak English to anyone. Um, and I think that's a problem that we have a lot even now. Like we just do things uh, thinking of the moment, but not thinking about long term. And I think that's just how nature is. <laughs> uh, but yeah. What do you think would have been different if you would have gone through with high school when you first came here? The first two, like couple of years of my life, I wasn't really thinking cooking as a career. I knew I wanted to learn the language because I saw that one as the uh, bridge to be someone. So I think things would have probably could have been a little different if I had gone to school. And I don't know, to be honest, it's kind of hard because I, I didn't start doing this because I really loved this. It. it was more like because I needed a job and eventually kind of fell in love with it. Yeah. What is the absolute most rewarding thing about having done what you've done and being where you are now? Um, I think it's uh, being an example for some of my family members. That's to show them that things are possible when you really work hard and when you want to and you can make time for anything because usually that's the excuse that I get. I don't have enough time for this. I don't have enough time for that. So I think that's the most rewarding thing that I get is just having, you know, even my younger sister. I'm like, I want to, I mean, if you were able, I can do that. And having my son, that he's nine years old already, just seeing how, um, you know, things are possible with, with even with very little. Um, yeah.
Now that you're equally inspired and starving for a delicious plate of carnitas, I should remind you to check out menustories.com or nopolitosf.com to make sure that you have the right locations. The original is in the Panhandle on Broderick Street, and the newer one where we actually recorded this interview is in the Inner Sunset on 9th. On the next episode of Menu Stories, we'll make our way down to the Mission. And you might think that we're going to another Mexican restaurant, but as I found out, the Mission actually used to be an Italian neighborhood. So we're speaking with Michael Fenno from Luca Ravioli Company to find out how his family opened this historic deli on Valencia Street. Make sure to subscribe to Menu Stories on SoundCloud and iTunes so you don't miss the next episode. Until next time, happy eating. Happy eating.